now got in for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two. This is episode 149 of the NYYST podcast. I am your host, Christian. As always, joined by my co-host, Chris. You! And Teddy Bear Ride. Yeah. Ryan had the, the sniffles today and he couldn't come out and play. <laughs> but meanwhile, I looked at the sketch and uh, the Eagles are playing at 1 o'clock. Sketch, so. sketch. You know, we're recording uh, recording <clears throat> right around noon here on a uh, Sunday afternoon, so... A beautiful Sunday afternoon Yeah, here. I mean, it's just like straight up buckets of rain coming down. Literally. Uh, later on in the show, we'll have our good pal Joe Rivera, the sporting news on with us. Uh, Joe spent nearly an hour here uh, talking a bunch you of... You took your headphones off. Huh? Yeah. You don't like listening to yourself? No, I don't. Uh, you would know how, how loud you sound. Thanks, I don't really care. Oh, look at that. Go back just a little. What here? Oh, Is that good for you? Wow. Right. So good for me. Uh, you know, we was it good for you? talked about some managerial openings that were filled. A little World Series talk, and if, uh, if you're a baseball fan, it was a great hour to listen in on. I'll tell you that. Okay. So uh, we recorded the interview with Joe already, and then it'll be inserted after we do what we do here. So if you're wondering when you listen in Monday morning why uh joe's we're talking about the world series being tied at 2-2 it's because we're recording sunday morning and the world series is tied 2-2 so you know i don't know what the weather in dc is like i don't know if this is all up and down the east coast here so they were getting a lot of it last night did you catch the end of the game no it's starting to rain pretty bad so it might still be tied 2-2 monday morning but just a time frame here uh recording sunday morning after the astros tied the World Series up last night. Uh, also today, uh, we'll get to this briefly uh, in a few moments, actually. Uh, our first week of the Keep 'em Dump 'ems, doing things a little bit differently this year. Um, instead of kind of going through everybody and, you know, doing position by position, we picked 15 names and we broke them up into uh, three different uh, groupings and. You know, these are more polarizing guys, more polarizing, hot button type guys. Some of them are also pending free agents. So, you know, you can vote on you had the opportunity for the first five guys to vote on if you would bring a guy back or if he is currently on the team, if you even want him there. It's so annoying on Twitter. I know you've gone at some people that people don't know how to read. Just read it. It, We're not. Look, we're not sitting here. The first guy we're going to talk about is Giancarlo Stan. We're not sitting here saying should will the yankees keep him will they dump him it's really will they do this no i I really don't give a shit you know there's rumblings out there that he could be traded there's i don't see that ever happening maybe i'm wrong that's not the point we want to gauge the fan base we want to see which side of the fence these guys stand on right now and it's a fun thing to do in the offseason and i think it's an important thing to do all all season long we're bombarded with tweets so oh, this guy sucks get rid of him i would have never signed him and this is what this is designed to do you get to play gm if you if you had the keys to the kingdom and you could get rid of a guy if you could re-sign a guy you could let a guy walk would you do it it's not can the yankees realistically do it <clears throat> would you do it keep him or dump him Stack I right. Mm. I don't know. Let's see how the bear fills in uh, this week. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, Brian Cashman gave his uh, 
yearly uh, end of the season press conference this week. And uh, again, it was a few weeks too soon. Uh, and now it's becoming this new fun little tradition that the Yankees are doing where they're announcing one of their starting players has to get Tommy John surgery. Last year it was Didi Gregorius, and this year now it's Aaron Hicks. After Crazy. we were told he didn't need Tommy John surgery, now he's getting friggin' Tommy John surgery. Crazy. So, Not to cut you off, but we always forget. If you're listening, if you've been a loyal listener of ours, please take two seconds if you listen on iTunes to make sure you subscribe. Rate and review the podcast. Also, we are on YouTube. Check us out. We've we really grew our YouTube for just starting this, you know, over the last few months. But we got a nice little layout of what we're going to talk about, what's on deck. Um, make sure you subscribe if you're listening or watching the show right now. I mean, leave us a thumbs up. All that fun stuff that we hate to say and always forget. Yeah, just like we always hate to say, oh, well, now Aaron Hicks is injured. But he is, right. again. Again. So he was sitting around playing with his friend in Arizona or whatever the hell he was doing. He was video recording himself, you know, throwing the ball and said, hey, Yankees, I feel great. I can play in the ALCS, which he did. And, you know, maybe the ALCS is over in five <laughs> games if he doesn't hit that home run. It absolutely is. But, you know... The guy, I mean, the guy need. Now we're looking at eight to ten months without your starting center fielder. Yeah, but how much do you put? How much stock do you put into the Yankees saying it would have been either way? Either way, what they Cashman said in so many words, the ALC, him playing in the ALCS had no real bearing on if he needed, if he was going to need the surgery. So why didn't he get it when he was hurt in August? Because it probably. I mean. What I think he was saying, it was inevitable either way. So they should have just had it in August, is what you're saying? No. Me, he would have gone through this whole process of trying to let it heal and rework it, but they said he said that they thought he would have still needed it. That the ALCS didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily the cause of him needing the surgery. I don't think I'm just saying I don't know what these three or four games that he ended up playing and really mattered. He should have just had freaking Tommy John surgery <laughs> in August. We all we all knew it. I think we all yeah knew we it. said it immediately. So now what? I look. I mean, is, I mean, really, realistically speaking, are you okay with Mike Talkman being the starting center fielder for the Yankees next year? No, I'm not. Uh-huh. I'm not. But I also wasn't okay with Brett Gardner playing. Uh, how many games they ended up playing? 140 something, something this year. Like that, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to see him play over 80. And look at the season he put up. So, and and Talkman made a name for himself. I mean, he had a really good year. I would say based on who is currently on the roster, there's better options. Who? The Mike Talkman? Yeah. Who? Uh I don't know, man. If you're not going to get rid of Clint Frazier, you drill defense into this guy until he literally can catch a fly ball with his eyes closed. Uh, I don't You want to just insert him as a starting center Dude, fielder? Dude, if you're right not going to get rid of him, no. I I know. I agree with you, but you he is so valuable at the plate. That is just tough for me to just if they're gonna hang on to him, to say yeah, but Mike Talkman's the better the better option. I think he is. Like, how is this an excuse at this point that this guy can't field the fly ball that he's just gonna rot in the in the minor leagues? No, I think. Well, he's you know, dude. If you can't beat out Mike Talkman by now, and you were the number one prospect for a while, uh, you're not going anywhere. You're never going to be successful then. Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes because Clint Frazier is in this week's group of keep him and dump him. So, I mean, 
But realistically speaking, I think if you look at the roster right now, I don't see the Yankees going out there and making a move for another outfielder. No, they can't. And Brian Cashman, in so many words, said that Jacoby Ellsbury is not even an option in 2020. I think he knows that he's dead or something. He just pretty much said, don't don't mention his name anymore. So, I mean, really, the other thing I heard this week is that, oh, well, you just stick Aaron Judge out in center field. No, you don't. No, you don't. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I, <clears throat> no, could, you don't. You could probably do it, but I don't want him to. No, you don't do that ever. Um, another thing we should bring up quickly, Cashman was not afraid to to really talk about evaluating this training staff and, and the guys involved in these rehabs and all that. Because we said it all along. If you wanted to sit here and say, hey, injuries happen, fine. My biggest issue was always that these guys were coming back and getting and and then two weeks later back on the IL with the same injury. That shouldn't be happening. And it sounds like Cashman's ready to make some moves. Uh, is it cosmetic though? It's just something to do. Is I don't not not with the way. Did you actually listen to that part of the presser? No. It, it, he was very very I'm sure he's upset adamant by on it. it. Yeah, he he did not sound happy. I mean, it pretty much he he pretty much made it sound like he's already made some moves. Yeah, but no, he that was, I did wasn't at the liberty of saying he didn't want because I guess guys might still be working. He hasn't let go of anybody yet, but yeah. I think they may have made some decisions. Yeah, you know what? If whatever, if that's what they want to do. I, you know, it, it, enough with the injuries uh, next year. You know, you're you're you know, always gonna have injuries. I you mean, know, stuff is gonna happen, but you don't need a guy like Stanton uh, pulling one muscle and then he's out for the entire year because he pulled four more while he was on his rehab assignment. I mean, every time Stanton looked like he was starting to find his swing this year, he went missing again. So, I don't know. It, it is what it is, really. You just hope that they bring in you bring in somebody that's better and they're just not making moves because they were aggravated with the way things happened this year. Yeah, I agree. So, you just want to dive right into this here? Let's dive, baby. Is there anything else from the Brian Cashman press conference that you kind of want to talk about? I thought it was an I honestly I just thought it was an overall great presser. Some fans are frustrated with him because he sticks to his the same thing he says over and over again, you know. This season ultimately was a failure, but it wasn't in regards to how they overcame a lot of adversity and I think we can all agree on that. But he really didn't, he didn't, every fan was waiting for him when, when asked about Garrett Cole, would they break the bank? He didn't veer away from what they've always said and always done. But guys, this is a business. Yeah, he can't go out there and say, yeah, I'm going yeah, to spend $500 give million dollars right. on Garrett Cole. So come on, let's still, we're both on the same page here, me and you. They got to, they got to sign this guy. Oh, I agree. And I think we still have to give Cashman the benefit of the doubt until it doesn't happen. Then we can sit here and we'll take two sh- two full shows just ripping him. Okay? But until then, don't take his words uh, to heart when it comes to will they veer away from the game plan. He can't say that right now. That's really, I thought it was a great presser. I really did. Well, we're you know, you're going to learn a lot about the hierarchy of the Yankees in this offseason because... Cashman has said that, you know, Hal is open to spending money. He just wants a plan put in place on how it will benefit the team. He doesn't want <coughs> reckless spending like <coughs> Jacoby Ellsbury. Okay. Listen, when you're selling something and buying something, when you're the seller and you're the buyer, for a deal to work, it has to make sense on both ends. 
whether that deal pans out in the end for either side or not, at the time it needs to make sense. And Hal's a guy who wants everything to make sense. It I saw my first revenue chart of the offseason today. I love those. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We saw them all fucking offseason last year. And then when they signed DJ, everyone bitched. But how'd that turn out? All yeah. I'm saying is... Cashman is not oh yeah, he's not gonna throw his boss under the bus. He doesn't want to get fired, obviously, but he keeps reiterating, hey, how's gonna give me the money if I present he's basically saying, How will give me what I want if I present it to him in a way he wants to hear it? And it sounds like the way that whole process works is Cashman has a handful of scouts or analytical guys that he sits down with and they first pitch Cashman sell Cashman, and then Cashman sells Hal. And that's been the process. I mean, that's why DJ LeMayu is a New York Yankee right now. Cashman didn't even want him. He was sold on him. So you got to just let the process work out. But we're not sitting here and saying, you know, trust this team right now because we've been hurt now. All we're saying is let let the process just work itself out before the bitching starts. Because let's just see if they change their ways right it's now. It's going to be really interesting to see what how Garrett Cole plays out. If he goes somewhere else because he wants to go somewhere else, that's one thing. Right. That's it, one thing. But it, if they can control it and he doesn't come here. If Cashman, because we really still don't know who's who doesn't want to spend the money. Is it Hal? Is it Brian Cashman? We really, we really don't know right now. And to this point, they really haven't done anything glaring in my mind where you, you had to say to yourself, wow, this is a real slam dunk. All it took was money. Why didn't they do it? You know, we all think that Patrick Corbin is a little overvalued in his ERA in the postseason. I mean, everybody screamed and was like, oh, you didn't sign Patrick Corbin. But if he was pitching like this for the Yankees in the postseason... You oh, he's a bum. He sucks. Why'd you give him all this money? So, you know, and again, we say this. It's not about April through September anymore for the Yankees. It's about what they do in October. So, you know, a guy can pitch to a two-something ERA in the regular season. If he's going to pitch to a seven ERA in October, it doesn't do I mean, what good is he? Right. Because the Yankees won 103 games this year, and they didn't. they barely had a semblance of a starting rotation at times this year. That's true. So, so we're going to see. We're going to see because we know Brian Cashman's love for Garrett Cole. If I, I, I think if there's going to be one guy that gets Brian Cashman and go up there and to Hal and said, I need this amount of money, it's going to be Garrett Cole. And if Hal says no, then we know that Hal is willing to spend to this level, but not to this level. And then you can stop maybe blaming Brian Cashman for certain things. Before we get into the keep him dump him's. Um, I just have to ask you this because it's been on my mind. Cole hasn't looked the same his last couple, well, last two, his last two times out, right? If he goes out, let's just say, when when is he due up to pitch again? Do you know? He's pitching tonight. Is it tonight? Yeah, game five. Oh, right. Um, if he goes out there tonight, assuming they're they're gonna play, and he gets shelled, does that change your view on him? He's been so good though. I, I mean, know. he's hitting. Maybe he's hitting a slump at the wrong time. Right. But the thing is, he was so good, not just in the postseason, man. He's been so good since like May. Yeah. So, do you put any stock into that, or is it just kind of 
you know, at this point, he's already made a name for himself, no matter what. No, I think he's already he's already done enough where you don't really worry about that too much. Yeah, I agree. So you know, we'll see. And if then Brian Cashman is like, "Hey, this guy wants this," and you know, I'm my analytics say no, then you know, then Brian Cashman's the guy to rip. I yeah. think right now, until things hit Hal Steinbrenner's desk, you can't really rip him for it. We don't know what's been on his desk at this point. If Cole goes somewhere else because of the money, because he wasn't offered the same or more from New York, that's a problem for me. It's a big problem. I'm still willing to put a line on it. Like, if the Yankees not. offer him 38 39 $40 million a year, and then somebody's like, okay, here's $45 million a year, I'm sorry. Nope. You, you definitely put... You definitely put uh, your a good, you know, your best foot forward there, because again, like we said, this with Patrick Corbin, how far are you going to chase somebody? I'm not putting a line on it. I'm sorry, not at, not with this guy, not with what he's proven. Yeah, well, Patrick you, Corbin's different. I mean, I know him and Garrett Cole really until Garrett Cole went to Houston. You can kind of compare the two and say. Really, that they weren't anywhere near what I need to were know. Evaluating. I still need to know what he's being offered from the Yankees. I need to have a number in my mind. I guess. I just don't think any. I, I just can't see money at this point. Me being okay with anything. I don't care how ridiculous any other offer is. Uh, that's where we're going to disagree. If he's offered, if because you know. If he's offered something in the upper thirties, and he, somebody blows past that, you got you, you can't really hold the Yankees accountable for that. I'm sorry, you can't. I listen. If they're going to sit there and and play fucking games, then yeah. But you know, do the Yankees win a World Series this year with Garrett Cole? You can't say that definitively. Then maybe you're right at that point. But if you could sit here definitively and say you're going to win a championship in 2020 having this kind of guy on your on your pitching staff. I don't know, man. I mean, we got to just see how it plays I out. I need to I need to see the Yankees make the the ultimate the effort for him. I mean, they need to really break the bank and still be outbid for me to be anywhere near okay with it. You know, like we we talk about the CC Sabathia thing all the time, right? He was Cashman was told you got to go above and beyond. He went sixty million dollars yeah. above and above that. And then you know what? If he go, does that with Cole and somebody still wants to top it, you know what? He he did what he was asked to do. Somebody went. Somebody did it, and now Cole's gone. Because again, you got to you got to be Brian Cashman. You he's still going to be this prideful guy where like, you know what? You obvious. You told me to do something. I'm not going to sit here and play fucking games now. And then he's, but then you know what? If he's going to do that, he's got to have a plan B, and it's yeah. got to it's got to be a good plan B. It can't be J Hap plan B. No, no, that can't happen at all. All right, let's get into the dumpums, bro. All right, okay. The so, keepums and the dumpums. All right, so we did round one. Five guys again. We asked you to vote and comment on why you voted. We're going to read, you know, maybe three per player of the fans that commented again if you're unfamiliar with this we're gonna do two more rounds the next round of voting will be on wednesday it's not if the yankees can do this it's <laughs> would you do it if you were the general manager of the yankees if you own the yankees and you could get rid of this player would you do it 
Or would you resign this player? That's all we're asking. That's why if you don't follow us on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk, follow us right now. You can be a part of next round uh, coming out Wednesday. All right. First guy up. We went right to the big fish. Right to the big fish. Here. I like that. Uh, it was John Carlos Stan. Do you know the results? Did you see him? Yeah, per, for the most part. Yeah. All right. So for the most part, so bother asking you to guess. Then uh, this was this was close. It was raised. I mean, it was fifty fifty for a, a long, long time here. We left the 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 polls up for four days. We got over four thousand votes on this, which blew away any poll we've ever done, and the other polls that uh we had you vote on. <laughs> In round one here, but ultimately the fans voted to keep John Carl Stan fifty two percent to forty eight percent, which the entire while it was through like three thousand votes, it was pretty much deadlocked for a long time at fifty fifty, and you know it's all about the Stanton love hate relationship, man. I no, I just feel like no matter what this guy does. And again, he he goes he goes this postseason hurt, and it didn't help his case. Talk about a guy, just such a polarizing figure in this clubhouse right now. You either love this guy or you hate him. And over four thousand votes, I mean, that's a big enough sample size at that point to say this is truly where he stands. I mean, what's a scientific poll? Sixteen hundred votes? Uh, yeah, twelve, I think. You know, that number is for a reason. That's enough people, they say, that if you if you truly did pull the entire... And I think all of these were scientific. Yeah, they rolled right? like two, at least two. So these, these polls are very accurate when it comes to if you were to poll the entire Yankee fan base, how, how the poll would play out. And it is just shocking to me that how on the fence this fan base is over this guy. It's just truly love-hate. And I'm not shocked to see that he got to keep him. I'm not. I'm just shocked it wasn't a little bit higher. I thought it'd be like 60-40. No, I'm not. I, I'm surprised that he got voted keep. But and I'm, it just goes to show you that the the loudest ones are the ones usually uh, against something. Yeah. But in the polls, we get the real the real outcome. So, I'm excited to hear some of the. So how do you know? So we heard what the fans want. What do you want? Um. It's tough for me with Stanton because I think he's a great player. I like him, and I think one thing that the fans don't put enough stock into is that the club, these guys in the clubhouse love Stanton. He's not like some asshole who just goes in and keeps to himself and whatever. Stanton's not that guy. He might come off that way, but he's not, and this clubhouse really likes this guy. So I, I, I would keep, ultimately I'm keeping him. It's Giancarlo Stanton. He's got to get healthy. He's got to get healthy, and I need him to produce for an entire postseason next year. But uh, I'm definitely keeping him. I think he was on his way to it. He's just hurt this yeah, year. Yeah, I agree. He definitely looked better. And and I hate the fact that his his uh, 2018 season is just shit on. I mean, the guy had 100 RBIs and, what, 38 home runs in his first year in New York. In, in, a, in a summer where the face of the Yankees was injured and he really carried this, this offense for a while. Ah, I'm definitely a keep. I'm definitely a keep. I'm giving him one more season before I really start getting on him. Yeah. I'm going to vote to keep him. Uh, I just think 
we need to see him and Judge healthy together for 162 weeks plus the postseason. I agree 100%. I mean, that what was that one lineup in the playoffs where all the guys were – it was the first time they were in the lineup yeah. all season. Then like with game one of the division Him, series. DJ, Encarnacion, you know. You got to give this guy one more year, man. I, I understand there's a lot of – you know, there there's a lot of uh, animosity towards him. He gets a big paycheck. But, hey, he's not the one signing that paycheck. It's the Yankees. Don't – let's let us let this guy play out. I need a full, healthy season out of him, and I need him to produce in the postseason next year. Yeah, so I'm trying to go through uh, to find some comments here from the fans. And, like, the first 15 of them are all – we can't trade him even if we wanted to. Again, that's not, <laughs> not what we're asking here. He has a no-trade clause. We know. Uh, here, June N- Junie NYC. He's always been too erratic for that much money. We could get a great pitcher. Not naming names, we have several young, good hitters who are only going to get better. Okay. I mean, I, I don't... He's been too erratic. He's but really, hurt. what you're doing at that point is ripping... Cashman for getting him two years ago. You're not really because of the money. I, I mean, let's just take him for what it is. Let's put the money aside for a second. This is Giancarlo Stanton. You're not. You, are you telling me that 29 other teams wouldn't jump on him if they can if they can have him penciled into their lineup? Well, I've got a couple Red Sox fans uh, in here actually saying send him to the Red Sox. So. <laughs> right there, you go. I don't know. This is this is what is so baffling about John Carl Stanton in regards to our, the Yankees are cheap. They took this guy's contract on. I yeah. don't. I don't know. Here's big rig. Stanton can't play defense. False. Can't run. Also false. Strikes out too much. True. Injured. Yes. Worthless. Also false. Those are his comments on John Carl <laughs> Stanton. Um, and here we go. Last one from. Martian sightings at Martian sightings. Yeah. His first year in pinstripes, he led the team in RBIs was a consistent, durable player. Two years ago, he smashed 59 home runs on his way to the MVP. This was an injury plague season for one of the most talented players in the game. And if you're ready to give up on him, shame on you. I agree. I think that pretty much sums it up there. I agree. Martian man. All right, next uh, we have Miguel Andujar. Ooh, Miggy Bombs. Uh, this was a close vote as well here. Miggy, uh, 58% of fans voted to keep him. How uh, how many votes on this one? Uh, 2,300. Okay. Um, you go first on this one. Uh, no, this is a big dump for me. This is like a, uh, I just, I don't know, man. His bat is valuable. I get it. Uh, we all respect what he did at the plate, but... If you believe in Gio Rochella and you don't really have a spot for Miguel Andujar right now. I think the question you have to ask yourself is put aside put aside what he can do offensively because we know there's no room for him to just be a DH right now. Is he still a fit? I mean, does Miguel Andujar fit the mold right now that the New York Yankees have? I just say no. I mean... You're not just going to get rid of him for some scrub, you know, but 
if you can move him for for a big for a big name, you got to do it. You have to because I don't think he fits anymore. And I really agreed with your tweet that you put out the other day um, about giving him a first base glove. This is the time to do it. This is the time right now that if you're going to see if he can be decent at first base, this is the time right now. Because if he can be, hey, I of course I want his bat in this lineup. But I just don't see it being realistic, to be honest. And he's a dump for me. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be crazy that when you think about it, the two guys that Brian Cashman didn't want to trade for Garrett Cole, and he was right in doing this at the time, don't really fit into the Yankees' future plans. Who was the other guy? Frazier? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's a shame. And and if Garrett Cole at that time had a 1-9 ERA in his previous season and didn't give up as insane amount of home runs as he did, maybe you're having a different discussion. But I say to everyone, go back to Garrett Cole's numbers that year. You're not giving up. I'm sorry, you're not giving up Andohar and Frazier for that at that time. Now, 100%. But at the time, no. Yeah, uh, again, I don't really believe in any of the Yankees' uh, first base options for 2020. So if you want to see if he can play first base, okay. But ultimately... I don't think you're being fair enough to Luke Voigt, to be honest. uh, You know, again, he's a guy that's pushing his late 20s now. Uh, He's he's not great defensively. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that he's worthless. I'm just saying... If the Yankees could get Andujar to be a competent first baseman, I'd probably like him better. Oh, yeah. I but agree. I don't think that's a route they're looking at. Well, going. I think it just fits better. It just fits better. If he I think be Andujar, from baseman. what I've seen, is a much better overall hitter than Luke Voigt. Absolutely. But, again, uh, I uh, it's going to be hard to trade him coming off an injury plague season, but, you know, we're going to take the role that we said and said if you could would you and yes I would I would dump Miguel Andujar dump Michael Eddy here says to the 42% of you that you're going to dump this kid who carried the team offensively in 2018 the runner up to the rookie of the year hitting 292 blah 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 RBIs blah 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 because he got hurt in spring training get a clue uh, he didn't get hurt in spring training actually no he so did you get a clue Michael um but you know what? He's not. He's not totally wrong. He's not. I mean, but I get it's it. Not, it's just more of a. How much better did you feel about the Yankees this year because they had a competent defender? Yeah. at pretty much every defensive position. Listen, if you're if you're voting dump, and I think this is what was his name, Michael. Yeah. I think this is where he, Michael's coming from. If you're voting dump because you're a year removed from how good his season was, you know, in 2018. And you're just forgetting all about that and saying, fuck it, we don't need him. And you're voting dump for that. I agree with Mike on that point. I'm calling him Mike. Um, But if you're voting dump because of what I just said, where you're really looking at this team as a whole and you're looking at Gio as a competent offensive player, as well as how great he is defensively, you're not wrong. I mean, you're just not wrong at that point. But if you're you're irrationally voting dump... um, then I see where he's coming from. 
All right, here we go. Uh, dangerous management tweets. Mm. Uh, this, is, uh, this is tough here. This was a t- this was what. Ew, excuse me. This was the toughest one. I love Andujar's potential, but I love Urshela's. He's got a lot of grammaticals and misspellings in here, so it might be hard for me to read this. But I love Urshela's game more. Keep him until a trade worthy of him comes along, especially if you can get a couple of young prospects. Okay. Okay. And uh, hashtag thank you, CC. Uh, that's their name. What's their handle? Does clues. Okay, forget it. Uh, he's going to hit above 310 next year. Book it. On base won't be great, but he'll be competing for a batting title. He'll have a Devers-like year for next season. Batting 310 is not going to put you up for a batting title. And... I'd rather have a guy bat 280 with a with a four, you know, close to four on base percentage than a guy to bat 310 and have a shitty on base percentage. We've seen how this team operates this past year and how important it is to work at bats and get on base. That's my biggest concern. So I'm completely disagreeing with that comment. Yeah. Uh, here we're, these guys are pretty much tied together. The next guy is Giovanni Urshela. The Urshela landslide, I call it. Yeah, it was a landslide because Gio was voted ninety-five percent to keep him with just under twenty-two hundred votes. That's pretty significant. What was the percentage? Ninety-five. Yeah. Wow. What was the exact votes? I got to do this. What do you mean? What was the exact? How votes? many votes came in? Twenty-one eighty-eight. Twenty-one eighty-eight. 2188. Wow. 2079 votes went to keep at that point. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? What, what would be your reasons to dump him? Do you trust his bat? Do you we bring this up with Joe and you'll hear it in a few minutes when we play the interview? Was this an aberration, or is this who Gio Rochelle is now? I mean, obviously, if this is who Gio Rochelle is now, you keep him. There's no reason not to. He's a better defender than Miguel Andujar, and if you're going to get a type of offense out of him, the uptick in what you get from Andujar is not worth it. All right, think of it this way. This is how I think of it. Let's just assume Andujar, they throw him a first-base club, and it doesn't work out. They end up trading him for a pitcher. You know, a pretty good pitcher out there. Does... If Gio Urshela comes back, is he breaking the Yankees' bank? No. No, right? And if he doesn't do well um, offensively and you need to bench him, do you still have other options to make that work? No, this year. Next year. Yeah, coming into 2020, yeah. With as good of a season as he had, and we saw him come through in the postseason, which was even more important to me. With the season he had... Is he really not worth at least giving him another shot at this to see if that if that bat is real or not? There's just no risk to me at that point. Why would you dump him? There's just no reason. There's no logical reason. Even if you keep Miguel Andujar, there is no reason to dump Gio Urshela because maybe his bat isn't, it was, you know, it was a fluke? No. I mean... I'm trying to look up his contract status. It's not like the guy's getting $20 million a year. Jesus. There's just no reason. That's why I'm a, I'm a solid keep on that. 
And that's why I'm not shocked that it was that much of a landslide. He can't be making much, man. I just want to know when he hits free agency, really. And if he... I mean, unless you're saying to dump him, maybe you think he's going to be the deciding factor in a big trade. No, he won't be. He definitely won't be. Years old right because now. we're sitting here debating, was his bat a fluke or not? And if you talk to all the you know, analytic buffs out there. He, the Yankees have him under control for another four years. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. And his, ex, his expected, uh, it's expected. He will earn a base salary of 2.2. No, actually he will get $2.2 million, uh, from the Yankees next season. And he, uh, will hit, he'll have three arbitration years after that. So there's literally just no logical reason to dump this guy right now. And, and that's where I stand. All right, uh, BX Where do you, bombers. Did you? Are you a keep? Yeah, I'm keeping. Like I said, it. Well, it, it really depends on if you trust his bat or not. And for two point two million dollars, I think it's worth the risk. Absolutely. Uh, here, Lance BX bombers ninety nine. Urshela had an outstanding season at third base. His bat improved, stumbled a little bit in the playoffs, a lot like other Yankee hitters, but still managed a few hits and a couple home runs. Kept us alive in the ninth inning. Setting up DJ's home run. So it sounds like a keep, right? And he also uh, had a big home run himself that game. He did. Martian sightings again. Let's see what he has to say here. Gio earned the third base job moving forward. Maybe allows the Yankees to package a certain second place rookie of the year finisher with a ginger outfielder. Can we say that? Is that (laughs) offensive? No. For pitching. So that's how he feels about that. Uh, see if we can get anybody to actually dump them here. It's going to be very difficult. Here, TW. Anyone that says dump should never watch baseball again. So I kind of agree with that. Just because uh, you're not thinking logically. All right. Here, this one's a lot closer than I thought it would be. Uh, Brett Gardner. He played hard. Yankees fans. Uh, tw- 2,500 uh, votes here. Voted to keep Guardy. They want to see the Guardy party in the Bronx one more time. What was the percentage of keep? 70%. I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know how many... When did these polls come out? Wednesday? Yeah. And when did the Tommy John? Thursday, I think. So we got a lot of hits on these the day we... The day we um, released the polls. So... I don't think a lot of the TJ news of this of Hicks getting TJ had much of an effect on them because I think really the poll stage even shifted it further towards keeping them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying people are going to think that it's that heavily keep because of the Hicks news. I don't think it swayed it that much though. I think it was just that was the general consensus before that. Um, where do you stand on Guardy? Uh, I think even uh, before the Hicks news and now after, um, I'm I'm a keep for Brett Gardner. I've never been more undecided on any of these polls we've ever done. I think if you look at it... Would you look at it? Again, you're going to... Now he, he seems more of a need... But to keep him as a fourth outfielder, insurance-type 
because again, you know, we're going to play the same game with Mike Talkman that we played with right. Voight last season. Do you believe in what you saw? Well, this is this is my thing. It's no disrespect to Talkman. Like we said, he did a great job. But if you're sitting here saying, "Ah, eh, we can we can just let him go. We got Talkman." That's one thing. Uh, I and I just don't agree with it. If you're saying we we can let him go because we're going to give Frazier a real shot here. He's been a guy in our farm system for a while. We want him to get better defensively. He needs to get there. We're going to give him a shot. Then I'm okay with letting Gardner go. But my biggest thing is this. If the Yankees won a World Series this year and Gardner still wanted to stick around after the season he had, you know what? Fuck it. Give him the money. Let him play. He had a phenomenal year. But right now I'm to a point where it's just like, you know what? I'm done. I love Gardner, man. And he was someone I hated always. I don't know why. I never liked him. I never thought he utilized his speed enough. But he really turned into just such a great Yankee. And to have the year he did this year, man, I love him for it. But a big part of me right now is kind of like, I'm over it now. I need to move on from this guy. I need to move on from the past. I I just need to. I, I, just, I don't know why I feel that way. They didn't win a World Series with him. They were supposed to do it this year, and they didn't. You going to blame him for that? No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's time to move on. That's how I feel, and I think I feel more strongly about that than I do about keeping him as much as I love him and as much as it will kill me to see him in another uniform. I just don't know. Just like talking about Geo, what do you get out of dumping him? I don't know if it makes sense to, to let him go outside of my last reasoning. Like, if you're telling me that Mike Talkman is your solution, no, you're signing Gardy then. Because Gardy, I I can trust him at least coming off this year. And Talkman, I don't know, he's going to be way too streaky and, and fans are going to expect way too much out of him. And they're going to be disappointed. Okay, that's how you feel. I think it all depends on the Yankees' game plan, is what I'm saying. I think it's more likely today than it was on Wednesday that he stays. Oh, I think he's going to stay. If you're asking me what I think the Yankees are going to do, I think he absolutely stays. I just don't know how I would I would handle it. Uh, I'll bring him back for one more year. But this is, I mean, you saw enough out of him. that you Just if you limit his at-bats, I think he can still be a very useful piece, especially if you're going to try to keep the DH spot rotating and have Stanton playing left field a little bit more this year then, you know, you're going to need somebody to caddy Stan and what better guy than Brett Gardner to do it. Plus, he's a lefty. He's a lefty that hit a lot of home runs this year. So, so Sean Bryce says, I say to dump not because he didn't have a good year and isn't a great Yankee. I say due to his age, dump him. So it forces them to take a more critical look at Talkman and Frazier. I do love him, though. I think they're going to do that regardless if, you know, if Gardner's here or not I don't. next year. What, I don't. Talkman, yes. Talkman, yes. Frazier, no. If Gardy signs, they are pretty much saying Frazier better get traded or he's never playing here. Ever. John frickin' Barber says the man's wide neck energy is necessary on this team. You know what? A quick point I want to make because you said someone was talking about Judge playing center field. That's probably going to be their biggest reason for bringing him back if they do. He can play center field. He's a great. I mean, he just di- he just didn't skip a beat in the outfield, and he can play center field. You can trust him, regardless of if he doesn't come back and have that kind of offensive year. Man, you can really trust this guy in center field. 
Oh, let's see. Let's get a good one here. Victoria says he plays hard. Hard. He cries a little too much on strikes, but he does have a big heart. So there you go. I just it for me it was just like this was Guardy's year to do it again and go out on a high note and it still would have hurt to see him in another uniform, but you know, they didn't get it done. And maybe it's just time to move on. I don't know. Maybe it is, but you know, now we we uh, I'm certainly not gonna be mad if they sign him. I will be happy. If they're going to go out there and pick up a fourth outfielder type to sit on the bench and, you know, play some defense and play a little center field, why bring in somebody else? You're, just right. bring back. Bill I Carter. agree. All right, last one here. Uh, Yankees literal redheaded stepchild, uh, Clint <laughs> Frazier. And this it's got the least amount of votes of all, of the first five polls I guess nobody cares about Clint Frazier. I don't think anyone does anymore. Uh 1800 votes all the other polls Still got scientific. All the other polls got over uh, 2100 so nobody likes you Clint. They don't even care to vote about you. Yeah. But the fans did vote 65% get the fuck out Clint. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of goes back to Miguel Andujar for me. I mean, this guy just doesn't fit. And it's not even his attitude and, and the kind of shit he did this year. It's all about the defense, man. It's all about the defense. And if you're sitting here and telling me that this guy has been around this long now, minor leagues or major leagues, I don't care, and still looks this lost in the outfield, that's a problem. That's a big problem for me. This, I, I'm definitely dumping. This is not a rebuilding team anymore. This right. is a team that needs to go out there and win a World Series. There's no time for it. There's no time to in, to wait for Frazier. In, in his childish games that he plays on social media, I, I had, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I was, I've been on this show. I've been a big fan of this guy. I've been rooting for him. But you know what? Enough is enough. Get Pack your bags and get the fuck out. It's it, He's got a valuable bat, but... Like we like we've seen though the guy he can't play the outfield he can't do it for whatever reason if it's in his head it's in his head but go go see a shrink in Pittsburgh or yeah. or Miami or Arizona somewhere else just not in the Bronx yep. and get that shit fixed please and you know and then you can come back in interleague and torture us for two or three games it's fine we won't be mad at you but I just don't I don't see it I you know even you you still got. Judge here, you got Stan here, you got Talkman here. You can even bring back Guardy. You can bring back Cameron Mabin. You can go out there and sign somebody if if your heart desires. I just it can't be. I don't know. I just it's just one of those things. It's like with Greg Bird and and we didn't we didn't do Greg Bird. Greg Bird's not going to be a guy that we're going to be voting on because I think it's just it's just past the point of, oh, yeah. of of caring at this point. But eventually. The ship sails away, and you're left standing on the dock. And it's with that with Greg Bird, and I feel that way with Clint Frazier now. The ship has left yep. the dock, and it's sailing off into the ocean, and you're just standing there watching. And it's a fucking shipwreck. That's it. Uh, Here we go with uh, Mark Young. Here, we'll read a couple comments. He's a terrific hitter, but seems supremely immature. Look at the way he handles demotion. Nobody expects him to be happy, but to go on Instagram dramatically unfollowing everyone. What did they do to you? Nothing. Dump him. Dump him. Uh, Patrick. Patrick. Hello, fellas. Uh, 
This is in response to somebody saying, I want Clint on the team. And Patrick says, want him for what? To carry their luggage? <laughs> he showed me nothing to say he deserves a place on this roster. Dump him. Dump. All right, let's let's be a little positive to towards Clint. All right, uh, that's fair. Quentin Phillips says, I like his bat. We need timely offense. I did see an improvement in his D. De- okay. No, you Bro, didn't. Get some glasses, dude. It was so much worse because he was more exposed. How about what's just, let's forget the rest of your comment. How about Big Daddy says, keep him super bat speed. Maybe he's been humbled in the minors last this last time down. Defense needs to improve, and the veterans need to teach him the Yankee way. But here's my problem. His defense doesn't need to improve. Oh, it does. Do. It needs to exist. Yeah, no, that's true. It's too. it's not even a matter of improving at this point. It's not like he had a couple tough games. It was every time he was out there. Every time you held your breath for a fucking outfielder. You know, Miguel Andujar can get away with a little more because Playing third base at the hot corner, man, there's a lot of tough balls hit at you. But as an outfielder, I'm not saying outfield isn't tough, but on on freaking regular, just a pop-up, you held your breath with this guy, and a lot of the times he still failed. That's unacceptable. You can't have that. Not on this team. If you want to deem yourself a championship-caliber team, Clint Frazier cannot play that way in the outfield. End of story. And you have no time waiting for him to get better. Zero time. Uh, well, we're looking at the timer here. We already know Joe's interview ran about an hour, which we're going to play right now. Uh, we've we've been on the show here for about forty five minutes, so you're looking at a, you know, a really long show here today. Yeah. We probably should have thought about this and broke this up into two episodes, yeah. but we didn't. So and any, thank you to everyone who voted, by the way. Yes, thank you to everybody turnout. to vote. And uh, we hope for similar, if not bigger, turnout on this coming week here. Um, yeah, so thank you for definitely sticking with this long-ass episode here. Uh, you know, you guys are awesome, and you're the reason why we keep doing this. So thank you for the support here. Um, yeah, so let's just go right into the interview with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. All right, Chris and Christian of the NYYST podcast on the phone with our good pal Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Joe, how you doing today, pal? Gentlemen, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, as always. Uh, it's always appreciated to be here on the uh, NYY Sports Talk podcast. I love how we do the whole, like, Joe, how are you, pal? Like, we didn't just bullshit for 10 minutes. Before we before we came on, yeah, but you have to act it's like well, bullshitting is what I'm really good at. So. <laughs> you have to act professional. You can't peel back. The That's the professional too much. thing. <laughs> Joe, this is uh, Joe's big magic trick. He's going to act like the biggest Yankee fan in the world right now, and then when he goes on Twitter afterwards, he's going to bury him worse than the Undertaker Absolutely. did to mankind, like the King wow. of the Ring, all those years ago. <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do. I can I can work a little magic, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's not really the uh, the end that he uh, really wanted. I can't say I'm super surprised, to be honest. But uh, it was kind of painful to watch that CFL, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, no pretending here. No, no, uh, no pro Yankee bias here or anti Yankee bias. Telling them like it is, friends. All right, before we actually get into the Yankees, we do have a few managerial maneuvers that uh, came across the waiver wire. Can I just ask Joe a quick question? Uh, here we go. 
I don't know if like because of what you do like with the sporting news, you know, whatever, if you like to give out this information, but are you a fan of a certain team? Like, do I'm you, a fan of chaos. Who'd you That's say? That's what I'm a fan of. You're I'm a, a fan I'm, of chaos. I'm a fan of it's a total and, and utter chaos in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he said this I root for whatever the, uh, this before. But I, don't, but I didn't know. Like, maybe we weren't as close to Joe at the time, and he's given us some answer that he needs to, you know, say on air. It's like when, you, it's like when, you, you, it's like when, you're, uh, when you're filling out a job application and they ask you the same question three different times right. to see if you answer it differently. But, uh. No, I'm a fan of chaos, guys. I mean, I just love when uh, the most unexpected thing happens. I mean, who would have thought that the Nationals would get World Series, right? Who would have thought that the Yankees basketball was full that they did? Who would have thought that the Nationals would knock off the Dodgers? I mean, uh, that's the stuff that I really look for as a baseball writer. Because every time something goes according to plan, that's not really in the spirit of baseball, I guess. So you're rooting for the Orioles to win 100 games next year is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, 105, really. 105, but uh, we'll see. I think they have a, a long, long way to go before uh, that comes to fruition. All right. Well, now what were we getting to here? Well, you some managerial, yeah, some managerial uh, vacancies have been filled. So I believe that you wanted to ask Joe about. Yeah, Joe. This I'm actually glad we had you on this week because it's something I've been thinking about. I don't listen. I'm gonna be just like you were brutally honest just now. I'm gonna be brutally honest. I don't follow the Angels at all. Okay, so I don't know what kind of means they have to building a team right now, but from everything I'm seeing, from everything I'm reading, uh, you know, with this hire of Madden, and now, who did I just read could be coming on board as the pitching coach? No, he's not coming on board. He's on board. Oh, he's on board. Mickey Mickey Calloway, right. So, I mean, it looks like this team is trying to start from the top here and work its way down to building something, actually building something around Mike Trout. Am I wrong in saying that? Can it happen? Is it possible? Uh, the number one concern, I guess, with, with bringing in Joe Madden is that he doesn't pitch, right? And I think right. that uh, a manager will win or lose you five to ten games during the course of the season. A really good one will probably win you seven to ten, um, and the first value the team will take will take on the manager's personality and never panic or, you know, those are the really good managers. The bad ones, like you see with guys that have no real feel of the game, will lose you, uh, will lose you five or six games a season. But uh, make no mistake, I, I think that the Angels are in a much better position than they were three to four years ago when their farm system was one of the worst in Major League Baseball. It's not the worst a lot of people thought. It was like the money ball, uh, 30 feet of crap or whatever it was, and then the Angels. So, um, their farm system is much, much improved. Uh, they have some building blocks now. Uh, Griffin Canning pitched pretty well this year for his rookie year. Uh, he can be an answer in the rotation, but I, I think that Joe Madden only maps a little bit of what's going to happen with the Angels. It's, it's, an, it's, an, uh, it's a tale as, as old as time, guys, where the Angels just can't seem to develop quality starting pitching around Mike Trout and, and really give him the help because that's where the issues have really been for them. Um, and, and until they get that solved, until they get starting pitching figured out, the bullpen figured out, then they're going to be going nowhere fast, and it won't really matter who the manager is. Well, uh, in Philadelphia, they figured that uh, Joe, uh, Joe Girardi there is going to make a difference for them. They brought him on board as their manager this week. Do you like to hire for the Phillies uh, bringing in Joe Girardi? 
I think we we all know, you guys know Yankee fans and and me covering the Yankees uh, and covering Major League Baseball in the last few years is that Joe Girardi knows how to manage a game on a day in day out basis. I think a lot of the question marks surrounding Girardi is how his personality meshes with with the team, right? And and I think that you saw that um, two years ago in 2017, I made it to the ALCS, but it was very tense. Uh, you just got the feeling sometimes you walk into the press conference room and you could cut the tension with a knife after a loss. So I think that we see that a little bit. I think that um, with a pretty veteran team that they have in Philadelphia now, I mean, they have some young pieces coming up, but that team right now at the major league level is, is a pretty veteran squad. So he knows how to manage a game. Uh, he has a pretty good feel for the game. I know some of it too is, is how much does he rely on the analytics, obviously, night contact and risk. Really front office there really really value uh, the analytics and forward thinking. So I think it's a good hire for Philly. I really do. Um, a lot of it depends again on what they can do with that pitching rotation and what they can do uh, this off season uh, with the bullpen. They were dealt a lot of a lot of nasty injuries to the bullpen this year, which kind of repeated their chances. But at the same time, that past off season, they didn't really do much to reinforce their rotation. And when Jake Arrieta is aging, I mean, he's on a pretty steady decline right now. He needs to get Aaron Nola help, and they just haven't done that. So, again, Joe Girardi's a good manager. He's a good hire. I just, I just don't know how much of a difference he makes unless they improve that roster a lot this offseason. Joe, like uh, Chris said, it's hard to keep track with all 30 uh, Major League Baseball teams, especially when you're so heavily invested in one like we are. Is the general manager in Philadelphia heavily analytics I was going to ask the same exact question. Because, you know, what's the what's the buzzword in Major League Baseball now? Collaboration? Is that it? Between the general yeah. manager and the analytics staff and, and the manager? You, you know that you could say personality all you want, but you almost got the feeling that uh, that's the one of the biggest reasons Joe was ousted in in New York. Is the is the GM in Philly? Is he less collaborative? Because you almost get the feeling that maybe Joe, being one of these, it's hard to call Joe Girardi an old school manager, but it, because he's not one of these new wave guys that are coming. You know, out of broadcast, he has an school. old school personality. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Is is he going to give Joe more free reign than say than some of these other managers are getting in in Major League Baseball right now? It's a very very forward thinking operation. Um, I think that Clintac last off season he made a lot of flashy moves, but not all the moves that really gelled with each other. I mean, obviously Harper was a big one. And, I mean, the cut to the big deal, and, and his season was cut short with the with knee injury. But I, again, I think that that's kind of putting lip on pig. That's what it was last off season. So uh, collaboration obviously is a big thing now, and I, I know that there are a lot of old school folks that kind of like shake their fists at it and say, you know, let the manager have the lineup card. And I think that there's a lot of baseball now that's still, especially in the postseason, we're seeing now. There's a lot of baseball that's still played by the gut, and managers still manage with their gut. I think that A.J. Hinch is probably among the best in baseball at that right now. You saw that with your TD last night. He was dealing, and I'm sure that uh, some of the analytics would say, don't let him pitch this deep into the game with his pitch kind up and this and that. So uh, I'm sure that that was his, his stomach played a little bit into it there. But again, with Philly, I think that, uh, you know, the, the relationship between and Quintac is, cru- is cru- uh, crucial. So I- I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. I think that when you hire a guy like Girardi, you're kind of saying, you know, 
take this team and mold it the way you see fit, play it the way you see fit, but there's always going to be the analytics department that's going to be right behind them. There's always going to be the GM uh, who, who, who molds the other team uh, in his vision. So, uh, so I'm trying to push the right buttons at the same time. So, again, that relationship between Girardi and Clintac is critical. I think that they kind of know what they're getting into right now with Girardi. So we're going to see how it's going to play out. I was going to ask the same question as Christian and, and kind of take it down the same path because, A, you're not hiring Girardi unless you know the kind of guy you're getting. I mean, at this point, you know who Joe Girardi is. You know the way he's going to want to manage. And guess what? He is an analytical guy, so it, it can work. But for me, I think the whole collaboration thing comes into play the most when, when you know, look, we all know Aaron Boone has done a great job here. But because the Yankees are so analytically driven, they have these strategies going into every single game. His biggest job seems to be getting the most out of his players by keeping a good culture in that clubhouse. Joe Girardi might not be the man for the job in that sense, but if you're if you're going to give him that power to run with this team and trust that he's also an analytical guy, I think Joe Girardi can be successful anywhere if you're going to give him that type of control. Yeah, and I, and I think that you know the guys like Girardi are kind of going by the wayside, right? And and I think that you're seeing more first time guys, which I I don't really have a problem with, um, because when you look at when you look at managers across Major League Baseball, you never know who's going to be a good manager until you hire a first time guy, right? And I know that a lot of these hires are outside the box. Obviously, Aaron Boone is the, is the poster child for that. Dave Tapper was was another one who, who was just ousted in Philly, but. Uh, again, um, with a veteran team like Philadelphia, who knows the window is right now uh, with some of these guys that they have and, and the next school of guys in their farm system won't really be around for another three or four years. I think that they understand that this is, when you hire a guy like Girardi, he's the guy that's going to get the most out of what you have right now. So, again, they know what they're getting into with him. Um, I don't think there's there's really a question of culture happening in Philadelphia. You really didn't hear nothing kind of fracturing. I don't really think that's big of a deal, but uh, you know what you're getting with Girardi um, when, you, when you hire him as manager. And um, I think that it's, again, I think it's a smart move for Philly and they know what they're doing, but uh, again, the window's now and they're going to have to figure it out soon. Well, what are the Mets figuring out? Because they still don't have a manager. Uh, you hear a couple names, uh, Tim Bogar, maybe Eduardo Perez seem to be the favorites. You know, you listen to enough sports talk radio, you're on social media enough, you you almost got the sense that the fan base was almost united in wanting Joe Girardi as their next manager. It didn't seem like Brody Van Wagenen shared that sentiment, or else maybe Joe would be here in uh, the Queens instead of over in Philadelphia. Uh, do you th- Two parts here. Do you think it was a mistake on Brody's part to n- not bring in Joe, and where do you see the Mets end ultimately going for a new manager? I, I got to be honest, guys. I, I do think it was a mistake because while the Mets are building a very good young core, obviously with Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, he's a little bit older, but he's still part of that core. Michael Conforto, Tom Smith, we'll see what happens with him. All very good position players. I'm at Rosario. I mean, they're, they're very talented when it comes to like young position uh, players there. But the question is the pitching and um Marcus Stroman's up after next season. He knows what happens with Noah Syndergaard. Um, so I, I'm really curious to see, and we all know how hard it is to 
to find a rotation and build a rotation in Major League Baseball. So, I mean, this next manager is absolutely crucial, and that's why I really thought that hiring Girardi was kind of a slam dunk because, again, he's a guy that knows what he's doing. He, he knows how to build a team, how, how he's going to attack uh, other teams on, on a game-by-game basis. He knows what he's doing as manager on game day. So, uh, honestly, I, I don't know what the Mets are doing. I don't know what they're thinking, uh, really kind of risking this window with an with an unproven guy. It could work out. Nobody really knows, right? If they do end up hiring an Eduardo Perez or a Tim Boger or Derek Sheldon, I mean, uh, it could work out. We don't, we don't know. It's, Is it's Jerry Seinfeld a serious candidate, scary, so. Joe? Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> He, he, would, he would certainly fit. He would certainly fit the uh, bombshell uh, report that was out there, right? About a, a potential Mets, uh, Mets manager candidate, a uh, potential bombshell hiring, uh, along with I think Mike Francesa might be up there. Uh, the Naked Cowboys got a pretty good shot. I, I'd say too. I think that would be a pretty uh, bombshell candidate. Really, uh, I, I don't know where the Mets are going. Um, they're going to. It, it appears that they're going to go with that first first-time manager thing, and if you're going to go that direction, then why not go with a guy like Carlos Beltran, who's very, very exactly. respected around baseball. Not one of these guys who, you know what, they were good managers, like Tim Boatwell was manager of the year in the minors a few times, so it's always he's a bad manager, but um, really kind of makes you think what they're doing, uh, and how much control Brody really wants over that day-by-day uh, operation. With them. Joe, I'm going to paint you a little picture, okay? He sucks as an artist, though, Joe. So. Actually, I don't. That's one thing you're false. That's a false accusation there because uh, it's one thing I'm decent at. Um, the one thing. I'm going to paint you a little picture. You ever go to Hot Grill in Clifton? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? No, I want to make sure I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to Hot Grill in Clifton? I have not, no. Wow. Okay. Well, A, a you should go, and B... Here's where I'm going to paint my picture. I'm standing there. My wife is pregnant. She wanted hot grill. I almost said no and almost got a divorce. So I drove her to hot grill and I'm waiting online and I'm reading all these articles about Perez and I'm just going, you know what? When are, and I don't get fresh. I don't look at this. I don't read this as like a Yankee Homer and bias and whatever and hate on the Mets. I actually empathize with their fan base because I'm reading this stuff and I thought the same exact thing as you. I'm like, if you're going to go with a first-time guy, why wouldn't you go with a guy who's well-loved like Carlos Beltran around the league? And I know Beltran and, and the Wilpons really didn't have the best history. But, I mean, he got an interview. He's got to be a serious candidate. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm just ripping them, right? And then, I, and then I'm waiting longer for my order than I expected. So now my brain shifts into, well, you know what? You know, the Yankees hired Boone, and, and you know, we didn't know how that was going to turn out. If they hire Perez, maybe it'll work out. But then I had to rationalize and say, but there's one big difference. I mean, the Mets had guys at their fingertips that they were interviewing that they probably could have hired that had the experience, that have the track record of being a successful manager. Did the Yankees, and I can't think back, did the Yankees really interview anyone that Eric Wedge was Eric Wedge I believe but he was can. the only guy with any type of experience I'm talking and and again I I understand this day and age Girardi getting along with Brody and it might not have worked out but I mean come on let it play out at that point because what are you doing to your fan base not hiring the best candidate at this point when you haven't spent money for in forever you got to hire the best guy 
And if Joe Girardi yeah. was a serious candidate, you got to hire him. I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know what, guys? Whether it was uh, Girardi or Buck Showalter, who I understand or, or Buck, Buck gets a lot of right. flack now. You know, I, I understand Buck gets a lot of flack. You know, he, he it kind of feels like he's uh, a lot of people kind of paint him as the scapegoat for you know old school baseball, which shouldn't be more false because Buck has said numerous times in the past that the way the baseball is going is the analytics, and he understands how to use them and how to approach it. And I think. We saw that with the Orioles. He got his biggest run, his longest run with the Orioles. He had some players there, and, and unfortunately, he was a casualty of a of a ship of an organization that just didn't know what direction it was going in. So, uh, you know, when when you have let's not make a mistake, guys. I mean, New York City. I think the Wolfpons have money. They just don't want to spend. Um, they're in the largest media market in the world. Uh, they have their own network. Um, they have revenue coming in. Fans come to the stadium, so it's not like uh, it's not like they're broke. They're really not. And and to hire a manager who could be the difference between, you know, a, a cute 90-win season where there there's ups and downs and potentially in a 100-win season and get to a World Series and be serious. But I don't really think you can you can really cut corners when it comes to that. So and I, I don't know what the message is. It seems like every time there's an obvious decision to go in the opposite direction and, and that certainly continued to hang on the high again. It'd be unfair to, to paint the new hire, whoever it is, the failure. I actually have to see what they do, but um, it, it certainly seems like hiring a proven guy would have been a logical decision. Because, Joe, let me ask you this, right? Let's say they hire Perez or whoever else, not named Beltron, Joe Girardi, or Buck, Show, Buck Showalter. They have a failure of a season next year, right? What is every single fan saying? What's the one sentence that's coming out of their mouth? Should, uh, why didn't we hire you know whoever else? Joe Girardi, right? Yeah. That's going to be everyone's yeah. why didn't question. We hire Girardi? But if and, you and hire, if you hire Joe Girardi and it doesn't work out, is anyone blaming the Mets at that point? Exactly, and and I think part of the problem, guys, is compounded because. Girardi goes to an NL East rival. So you're going to be seeing them 18 or 19 times a year. And, and should the Mets even split games with the Phillies this year, which I, I think the Phillies are a good team. I don't think they're uh, that much better than the Mets in 2020. I mean, we saw this year they weren't that much better than the Mets. Uh, they weren't better than the Mets at all by record. But, um, I, I just don't know. Uh, again, I don't know what the process is. Maybe Brody just, again, maybe Brody just wants uh, control over the over the game by game, the, the daily operation. Uh, just it's just a, it's a very very big heavy risk to pay. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense when this is your chance, this is your opportunity to try and win a World Series, and you can't keep wasting these guys' career. Uh, we know that they don't really like to spend. I mean, they spend money, but they don't like to spend it uh, on a year by year basis to try and improve things. Uh, they try and cheap ways around things we saw that with the Camille and Diaz deal um, so I, I, again I don't know what they're doing to try and help them win a World Series this upcoming year we need to see them spend this off we need to see them hire a guy that they feel confident in it's just not going to be a lap ball well speaking of winning World Series the winningest team I guess over the last 15 years has been the Boston Red Sox they've got what four World Series in that time span I believe so and they brought in Dave Dombrowski a few years ago to do what Dave Dombrowski does and that's win at all costs he gutted the farm system spent a ton of money but hey the Red Sox got a title out of it last year and then he gets fired for basically doing what he was hired to do and now 
the Red Sox, and you know, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not Jewish, but so I don't want to. I don't want to butcher this. But Heim Bloom, the wonderkin down in Tampa, is I think now it's Heimie. It's not. So now you're just you just butchered it on purpose. I think I'm, no, I was thinking of Jaime Garcia. That's anyway, why. Bloom uh, Wonderkin down in in Tampa was apparently the runner up to Brody in the Mets search for GM last year. But his whole idea with the Mets was, hey, I want to rebuild this team. Where Brody was telling the Wilpons, no, we can win this year, and obviously that won Sold out. Sold him on a pipe dream. That won out over what Bloom was pitching. It did. Is Bloom? A guy that's going into Boston pitching a rebuild to the Red Sox right now? Uh, you know, guys, there, there's two ways that you can kind of look at this, right? You can look at it as Heimbloom is the guy that made the most out of nothing in Tampa for the most part, at, at least in way of payroll. You know how to, how to build uh, a franchise based on a certain very specific set of statistics that they use down in Tampa that almost nobody else uses and analytics and stats and, and all that stuff. Um, and that going to Boston, you'll have the resources and the money to kind of figure that out. And then, you know, however good you think Tampa was this year, 95 win team, um, you know, that's, that's kind of scary to think about taking his eye for talent and his eye for statistics and analytics and putting in Boston where they're obviously not afraid to, to make money. On the other side, you can look at it as, Bloom is a guy that knows how to win without spending that much money. So maybe Boston, who wanted to shed payroll last offseason and, and they're entering a state of, we really don't want to spend that much money right now. We want to try and trade guys off or hope J.D. Martinez opts out to bring the payroll down and Bloom might be the best guy to do that. So um, it's, it's a very unboston like thing to do, uh, depending on what way you want to look at it. It could either be a slam bunker or a colossal failure. I don't think Bloom is a bad eye at all, but uh, considering this is the Boston Red Sox, and they are a team that, that again, they, they spend money. They're not afraid to spend money. They're not afraid to make a splash. A lot of that was under Dombrowski, but I think Bloom is a good hire for them. I think that getting Boston's resources over Tampa, it's going to make a lot of sense, and I think that you know, again, you look at you look at the Mets and the Mets are a team that weren't afraid to win and they clearly were ready to win this past off season. It just didn't work out in their favor and uh, they went through too many malaise throughout the years. So uh, it felt like they weren't due for a full rebuild. I don't think that's the case, but Boston I think that they want to shed some money and Bloom might be the best guy to shed that money and still put a competitive team on the field moving forward. When did he leave Tampa? Just now. Boom. Just, he, uh, just this past off. He was yeah, through this season. season. Okay. Yes, he was. Wow. Joe, they're not really going to trade Mookie Betts, are they? I mean, that would be absolutely ridiculous. And and, and look, I'm not going to sit there and, and cheer for anything that's going to make Boston better. But, I mean, come on now. it's The guy's the face of your franchise, and because he's going to get paid now, you're going to move him? That doesn't sound like something that the Red Sox usually do. It would be like, the Yankees looking to move Aaron Judge the year before free agency because they don't want to pay him. If they're going to do that, why didn't they like re-sign Kimbrel or anything like that? Why did they let all this money just go and then you're just going to trade bets? Is that really being you know a lot of it is a lot of it is because they signed Bogarts to that extension, they signed Sale to that extension, um, and and maybe Red Sox front office board wasn't really happy with the way that the shit got that. Now, Betts is an unfortunate casualty of what they're going to do uh, moving forward. So, 
Uh, I, I don't think it's particularly wise. I mean, when Betts is on, he's a top five player in Navy baseball. He's, you know, we saw last season that he's up there with Mike Trout. Talent wise, um, I, I don't think it would be wise for Boston to trade Betts. I mean, they're going to need fans to come to the stadium. And uh, Andrew Benintendi's a good player, no doubt. And Xander Bogart's had a really good deal, uh, season this year. And, and, um, Rafael Devers is very good, but you don't really trade stock players unless you get a franchise altering deal back. So I, I wouldn't do it if I were Boston. You just don't find guys like that uh, on the street. Uh, players that they're, they're very hard to come by. Game changing players, hard to come by. So uh, I, I, if I'm a Boston fan, I'm really hoping he'll do it. But if you're Boston and you're kind of saddled with some of these deals that might not work out over the next few years, uh, it, it might be a trade. It might be a necessary casualty. Unfortunately, oh, that, oh, that's really unfortunate for them. I'm going to go cry about it later. <laughs> uh, let's move on uh, real quick to the World Series here. It's now tied up two-two. Uh, you know, games one and two. Washington goes down there, beats Cole and Verlander. They come home. Now you're thinking, wow, could it be a possible sweep? Maybe over in five. And then Houston comes back, wins the next two. You know, I guess this is a case of, uh, you know, you can't predict uh, baseball, Susan, type of deal here, where who's expecting Washington to go down there and beat their two aces and then come home and lose the next two? Has this series, now that this series is tied up, this, in my opinion, this pretty much uh, goes in the favor of the Astros because you're not really expecting Colin Verlander to go out there and pitch poorly or subpar. in their next outings, and then they still have two more games at home. What's your thoughts on the way this World Series is shaped up and how it's going to move forward here? You know, Washington really got to put its offense fast, right? They only scored two runs in their two games at home, and, and any time you kind of squander a two-game lead heading back home, I mean, that's, that's bad news, right? Uh, momentum is squarely in the corner of, of the Astros now. I know they say that. Momentum is your next day starting pitcher, but, you know, when you have Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole going again today for, for Washington and Washington and Houston, respectively, I think that maybe the momentum from previous games play into it a little bit more. Uh, I, I've said this whole time, Houston and six, I, I still feel that way. I understand how we got here is a little bit different than maybe what we expected. I think that Houston probably uh, will lose tonight at home. Um, in Washington against against Scherzer, and then probably fish the people uh, over the next year. So, you know, I really don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me. It's tough for me to see um, how how Washington can really upend a team as deep as Houston. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's, they're too good. They're too deep. Their bullpen has performed. Even when they got subpar performances from Zach Greinke and, and Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, they found ways to win. So. Uh, their offense obviously is too good. They have MVP type talent, and everybody's going right. They have five uh, guys that could that could be fought for MVPs when they're when they're healthy and right. So um, it's it's tough for me to see how Washington can really can upend Houston these next two games. It, it really is. I just don't see how how I'm sorry. I said before I don't know how how Houston uh, will win tonight, but I think that they can probably pull it off. Uh, tonight and then go back home and finish it out at home game six. Joe, I, before the start of game three, and I thought I was just kind of being, you know, an idiot doing this, but I was feeling it and I was just like, you know what? I just have the Astros pulling in 96 Yankees here. And before the start of game three, I tweeted it out that I really felt 
as crazy as it sounded that the Astros were going to win it in four, in six and and win the next four. And then all of a sudden they come out and they look like the Astros again, but there's one guy that's standing out to me. Seriously, I, I, and I'm sure other people not not looking as closely at each series wouldn't agree with me, but the one guy who's been the biggest difference maker for the Houston Astros, if you go back to every single big moment that they've gotten through and won the game, it's been Will Harris. Is this guy a good pick? Like, it just blows my mind every time he comes in that he's getting out of these jams. It, it's He has been unbelievable. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, guys, a lot of people, myself included, I'm not trying to uh, say I was the only one that thought this, but a lot of people had Houston's bullpen as kind of a weakness entering the, uh, entering the playoffs, right? And that hasn't really played out. They've been... Every corner they've turned uh, when they needed to get big outs, last night included uh, an ALCS team, six when they threw a bullpen game. I mean, they've just been spectacular, and Harris among them. Obviously, Joe Smith has been very good, too. Um, Josh James has been very good. James, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's believable to see that. The same thing kind of happened with Boston last year, right, where you said, you know what, their bullpen's not that good. You can feast on their bullpen, but then you get to the playoffs and everything changes. So, uh, yeah, it's Harris, obviously, among them. Osuna has been pretty good, aside from that home run he gave up in the ALCS game six. But um, there's all of them. The relief core for, for Houston as a whole has been really, really good and surprisingly good, I would say, in the World Series. Well, hopefully, uh, for the Yankees' sake, they can uh, wrestle away Garrett Cole in the offseason so Houston doesn't have him. I mean, that's, a, that's one key component to uh, bringing in Cole here. But yeah, a lot of what you hear is that Cole might be, you know, wanting to go uh, play on the West Coast. This goes back to what you were saying about uh, the Angels earlier about getting top flight starting pitching. That apparently he he played baseball ten miles from where the Angels play, and that's a, a likely, you know, a, a hopeful destination for him. We know that Brian Cashman loves Garrett Cole. He he drafted him. And then the kid went to go to college, which, you know, I don't agree with because baseball, college. I mean, Absolutely. Come on now, let's, let's One, be, kids, if you're listening. Play baseball. Play baseball. It's way more important than college. <laughs> and then he tried to trade for him uh, the same offseason that Houston ended up getting him. It didn't work out for the Yankees. Uh, now, third time is third time a charm here where all that's standing in the way of Cole to the Yankees is, is money. And we've heard... We know the famous story about CeCe Sabathia didn't want anything to do with New York. Brian Cashman put on the full court press, threw a whole bunch of money at CeCe. CeCe came here, won a World Series, beloved by the fan base. Is, I mean, is Garrett Cole, I mean, how realistic is Garrett Cole to the Yankees in, uh, for 2020? Uh, it's as realistic as how far I want to be. I think um, at the end of the day, the Yankees just haven't been willing to spend as much money on starting pitching, and maybe that's because they've been burned in the past. Uh, you know, CC obviously worked out well, but AJ Burnett really didn't. Paul um, Toronto, obviously, Jared Wright, you want to go back that far. Um, Wait, hold on. You know, you, you, Can I leave for this section of the show if you're going to go all the way back to Jared Wright? <laughs> How about, uh, you know, what, I mean, what was the other loser? Uh, Javi. Javi Vasquez. Vasquez, he was a great. Javi Vasquez that was a two-time another one where they, you know, they they traded for him not twice. I want to say yep. they traded for him once, and then they traded Melky Cabrera for him both times. It didn't White's, really work out. Yeah. So, 
you know, maybe it's maybe it's fear on the Yankees' part that they don't want to dive deep into these contracts and really spend a lot of money. But again, I think when you look at what happened this offseason, I know a lot of fans will say, it's not the reason that the Yankees lost, and I would agree. Uh, starting pitching isn't the reason that the Yankees lost at all. But I will say, when you have an ace on the mound in October, it makes that much of a difference, right? And we're seeing that now. Look at four guys that are in the postseason right now. Um, you look at uh, you look at Max Scherzer, who the Yankees could have signed that they didn't because of the payroll limitations. You look at Justin Verlander, who the Yankees could have had. He was one of the four teams that he would have waived his no trade clause for, but uh, he did not because the Yankees didn't want to bring in that money. You look at Patrick Corbin, who's the guy that uh, the Yankees could have signed past offseason, and uh, they passed on him. I mean, semantics. You want to argue Sweeney, Murney, and and uh, and Brian Cashman's semantics all you want, but the truth is they didn't up their offer after Washington did. And then you look at Garrett Cole, a guy that they could have had a few times, but they just didn't want to bring him on for either fear of pending free agency or prospects that they would have given up. So I, I don't know. And those are four guys that are pitching in the World Series, by the way. So I don't really know what the holdup would be if you're the Yankees wanting to sign a guy like Garrett Cole. He's a bona fide ace. You see, even when he's struggling, he gets through battles. Uh, he's done amazing stuff, obviously. Uh, he's been light years better than what anybody would have expected in Houston because when you look at his career before Houston, he was he was very good, but he wasn't dominant like he is in yep. Houston. So uh, the likelihood of Garrett Cole being a Yankee is as likely as whatever Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman want to pay him because uh, I think that they need him. Absolutely, you can't. If you're Brian Cashman, put a ball on this. If you're Brian Cashman, you can't play the seven outfielders game like you did last season when you say, oh, we, we have seven outfielders. And, you know, one of them is Jacoby Ellsbury. You can't say we have yeah. seven starters, but say, uh, well, Domingo Herman, who's been bad since July, and hurt, or Jordan Montgomery, who's coming off Tommy Johnson. I don't want to hear Jordan uh, Montgomery's are, name as a reason why Garrett Cole is not a Yankee. I, no. I can't accept well, that. you know what? You know what, guys? I wouldn't be surprised if that's the spin that they put on it. Uh, I really wouldn't be, um, because Cashman has always been very open. Well, you're talking to, about McDonald's. You're talking about McDonald's hamburgers versus going to, to a top flight steakhouse and getting yourself a porterhouse. That's the difference between Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery no. is serviceable. He'll get you through the day. But at the end of the day, you want you want the big time ace on the mound. Look, we. I've said it. I don't think that pitching was the reason why the Yankees lost this series. But if they would have gotten to Game 7, it would have been the reason why they would have lost the series because they had nowhere to... Joe, if they somehow pulled out Game 6, they had nowhere to go in Game 7. Nowhere. Yeah. Seve would have given them, what, four innings? And their bullpen was gassed in Game 6. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... uh, You know, that's that's where you start to get into the debate about bullpens, right? And... Uh, a lot of people argued about the merits of bullpenning in the postseason, and obviously it worked this season for the Yankees. But at the end of the day, when when Zach Britton and Chad Green and, and Tommy Kainley are all dispelling uh, the the importance of a bullpen and saying that they were gassed uh, come come the postseason, I think we see that that strategy might not be one that really that you can really lean on come October. So. Um, yeah, I don't know where they would have gone in Game 7 had they pulled out Game 6. It would have been mixed and match all game. Our starter wouldn't have been able to use any left whatsoever. And I, I just don't see how Derek, how signing Derek Cole would be a negative for anybody. You know, you 
anytime you have the opportunity to bring in top flight talent, you have to do it as an organization. You just owe it to yourselves as a team and owe it to your fans to show that you're trying. So if the Yankees do this again, and I put this out on Twitter about a month ago, if the, if the Yankees go out and they, they, you know, wine and dine, they're cold, they put them in the queue Photoshop, but then they offer them offer, you know, four years at $120 million. That's, that's not going to get it done. Right. So, uh, wouldn't be surprised if they again pass on him this offseason and then make no mistake, it would be a pass. Uh, don't get caught up into the semantics. Uh, you know, the Yankees have the money to spend. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pass on him this offseason, but I really do think that he's a pitcher that the Yankees really desperately need. Joe, I, I could be completely off base on this, and I'm not even saying that you would know if I'm anywhere near, you know, accurate. Um, but I'd like to know your take because – I think that Cashman and the Yankees go into every single deal that's on the table with just like every single game they they play an outline. They're so analytically driven that they put a price tag on every single one of these guys before Cashman picks up the phone. And just like you, right? You you you're a writer, you work with the Sporting News. If you were a freelancer at this point, you'd put a value on yourself, right? You would go out there and and know what you wanted for, say, every article you did, and you'd have a high point and a low point, and you'd hope to, you know, meet somewhere in the middle. Cashman goes in with this set number. All these other teams are going through the roof because of the New York Yankees, and these guys' numbers at the time of them being available, they're just not adding up to what the value is that these other teams are putting on them at the time. I don't blame Brian Cashman for saying no to Patrick Corbin. Look at Patrick Corbin's numbers. But just like in the game when you need to use your gut a little more than you do the analytics, I think some of these guys need to start being looked at this way. Christian says it all the time. You take Verlander out of Detroit, right? He's he, Where he looks washed up. But what team was he playing on? I mean, he had nothing. He had nothing motivating him at that point. Bring him to Houston. He looks better than he ever has. Cashman needs to put down the analytics a little bit, I think, when it comes to getting these guys now, too, and what their value is. Because Patrick Corbin, yeah, I mean, even Garrett Cole back when when they could have traded for him, look at that season he was coming off of. He's not worth all those top guys that Pittsburgh wanted. But maybe he was, right? Maybe you look at a little deeper and say, if he comes to New York, he can be worth that. Maybe it's too much of putting values on these guys. Yeah, I think that's totally fair, Chris. And, and I have to be honest, I think that uh, when the Yankees kind of won 2016, right, when they made all their trades and brought in all that top-flight talent, I think that they got in their heads a little bit, and then they said, you know what, we can win every trade. But that's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works in baseball. Sometimes you have to find a guy, when you know those years six, six or seven in this contract are going to really suck. I mean, that's just the nature yeah. of baseball sometimes. Um, especially if he's a guy that's going to help you win in the immediate. So, excuse me, I think that when you when you look at a guy like Derek Cole again and you say, you know what, he's a guy that's going to help us, he's going to take us to the next level in, in 2020, he could be the difference between us winning a World Series or not. You have to do it. Uh, you have to put away that, that plan. You have to say, we're going to have to blow by our contract office because we desperately need this guy. Sometimes you have to set records as a general manager. I mean, someone's going to do it, right? Someone's going to do it for Derek Cole this, this offseason when he's a free agent. Uh, somebody's going to pay this guy more than anybody ever imagined. And you know what? He's going to be money for whoever's tied him. So 
you can't be afraid of, of what what's going to happen six or seven years down the line. And CC Sabathia, right? I mean, a, a lot of people are kind of scoffing at the money that he made with the Yankees uh, when he signed with them, but he helped them win a World Series, and he's been a leader for that team for the last seven years, eight years. So uh, I don't know, guys. I, I really think that um, you have to, if you're Brian Cashman, you have to go in this. You have to go full steam ahead. You can't come away this offseason with, a middling starter and, and with some bullpen help and say we're much improved uh, because they could be better. They could be better next year than they were this year. But is that going to be the difference between just making the postseason and being competitive in the postseason and winning the World Series? No. You just shouldn't let it be even a discussion. You shouldn't let starting pitching even be a factor of the discussion if you fall short again next year. It just shouldn't happen. There's too many guys on the table now and there's absolutely no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If you're a Yankee fan, that's the way you have to look at it. And I know that Twitter and, and the internet in general has really just given a voice to fans who want to think along with the general manager and they're trying to rationalize these deals. And you know what? It's just money at the end of the day. And I understand you're paying, you know, $250 for a ticket to Yankee Stadium and another $40 for parking and another $50 for food and, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, you're spending seven eight hundred dollars for a family Joe, of four, right? I, mean, I spend a hundred fifty dollars before I even sit in my ten dollar bleacher seats. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and and I understand that that hurts for a lot of fans because you see the correlation between, you know, well, uh, you know, maybe they're spending too much money because my ticket's too expensive. No. Because if you want to see a winning product then you're gonna root for your right. team to spend as much money as possible to put it on the field, regardless of how much a ticket costs. Because if if Fans are going to point to, well, I'm paying all this money for the ticket, and then Derek Cole isn't signed, and what are you really paying for, right? Yeah. I mean, I said this last week, and I got it from Mike Francesa because he made a great point. Uh-huh. Do you want to be everybody else in Major League Baseball where winning 100 games is something that you throw a parade for, or do you actually want to be the New York Yankees and go out there and win championships every year and have the rest of the league and everybody else's fan base is jealous of you? Yeah, okay, it's fun. We won 100 games last year, 103 games this year, but there's no rings, there's no parades. Now it this is the off season now. It's time to go back to being the Yankees. It's just it, it is. Yeah. There's no more excuses now. You got a guy like Garrett Cole out there that you know is the real missing piece. If you Listen, Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka and James Paxton, if you put Garrett Cole in front of oh, that, I forget it. With that, with the bullpen and lineup this team has, they have to be the favorites going into the 2020 and, season. And listen, too, because me and Christian talked about this, and Stack Guy Rye, not here, not feeling well tonight. Uh, we talked about this last episode, right? That 2019 was the year promised to all Yankee fans. And it was, you know, it was an easy ride. It was an easy wait because this team was, you know, quote unquote, rebuilding. And they really didn't rebuild anything. I mean, they were in the ALCS game seven the very next year. Had a great run last year. Fell short to an extremely talented Boston Red Sox team in the ALDS. And now they're back in the ALCS this year. But when you've promised a fan base, your your owner of your team, and, and you know, Brian Cashman promised in how that 2019 was the season. When he has this plan in place... You know, you might question him, but you know what? You're trusting him because he keeps telling you 2019, 2019. Guess what? 2019 didn't happen. So Christian went right at him last episode, and he's like, you know what? They don't do it in 2020. I'm starting to ask questions about Cashman. 
at this point because okay this was this has all been fun and great and the Yankees have you know become a little more scrappy and got guys like DJ LeMayhew which was great and Luke Voigt they found out of the woodworks but now you didn't do it you didn't do it in the time frame you gave us we didn't ask you to put a time frame on it you did that you didn't do it so now it's time to be the New York Yankees again it's time to go out and hand Garrett Cole a blank check Yes, that's totally fair, Dad. And you know what? Your goal was the right to feel that way. And I think that baseball has, has found a way through media and through teams and through uh, payroll mandates and, and all these different ways where they keep selling you on hope, right? They keep selling you on next year will be the year. Uh, we'll have prospects. Uh, we're making this trade to, to tear down our team. But we're getting these A-ball, double-A-ball guys who are going to be pieces of our future. Uh, they found ways to tell you, uh, well, the Yankees, you know, well, our goal is to get underneath the luxury tax. Well, you'd assume that the goal is to get under the luxury tax so they can blow by it again and they can really uh, get money in there and, and find guys that are going to help you win a World Series, right? I, I think that that is, is kind of like the silent agreement that, you know what, maybe we're going to be lean. We're not going to sign guys so we can sign them later. And that hasn't been the case. So as fans, you have to start asking those questions. I don't think that's unfair to ask. And this is not just a Yankee thing. This is a baseball-wide thing. How many years have the Pirates been rebuilding? Uh, Tampa Bay consistently puts on a, a really good team on the field, but when you're not really spending the money to, to improve your team, uh, you know, when are you going to start asking those questions? Um, you know, Texas is, is moving into a new stadium, and they haven't really done much in recent years to try and improve their squad. So, I think that as a fan, you're well within your right to be angry if the team doesn't spend money. There's there's nothing wrong with that. And I know baseball has found a way to try and condition fans to saying, you know, well, if spending money is bad. You know, that's that's fairly untrue. These guys are all billionaires. They have the money to spend. So don't be don't be afraid to start asking questions and asking how much a team is committed to winning. Uh, and don't point to this, well, we have this prospect and we have this young player. No. That's where we're asking these guys are getting the improvement. I think that's only fair, and I think that's also your right as a fan. All right, Joe. So we're going to let you go on this. This is the first episode of our uh, keep them and dump them segments that third we do. Year, third year doing yeah, it. Yeah, unfortunately, these come earlier than we'd like to do them. But, uh, you know, that's just the cards we've been dealt here. we got five guys here. Uh, I don't know if you saw the names on Twitter or not, but I didn't want to give them to you because I want your quick gut reaction. And we do 15 total, by the way. These are our first five. Yeah, these are the ones we're going to discuss uh, between us after we, we let you go here. Um it's not, you know, a lot of, I try to spell this out for the fans on Twitter. It's not if you can trade a guy, it's would you trade a guy? This is you, Joe Rivera, as a GM of the Yankees. If you can pull the trigger, get rid of this guy, would you get rid of him? We we try and do, what's the word you used? Um, polarizing guys? Yeah, you know, you know hot button guys, hot that, button, guys that button. we hear a lot of complaining about. Or guys that are indeed pending free agents. So we're just gonna—I'm gonna throw the names out there. Quick gut reaction. Give me like one or two sentences on why you feel that way. You ready? Uh, you got it. Let's go for it. All right. Number one, John Carlos Stanton. Keep him because he's a poor NL MVP. Uh, team's game plan around him, and before he was hurt, he was having some pretty good at bats. He had a good eye this offseason, and. Asking the guy to come back from injury and, and to produce in the postseason when you're facing really good pitching is tough for anybody to do. So I think you keep him. All right, Miguel Andujar. 
it's tough, but I would say dump him. Uh, trade him if you can. And I felt that way before this season. I think that he won't be able to replicate his offensive success. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to work at bats and, and work walks, which is what the Yankees really value. And defensively, he didn't really look much better in the limited time that he played this year, and that was with a full offseason. So uh, when you look at his, his rookie campaign, he cost the team almost two wins, or over two wins, just on defense alone. So however good his bat was, uh, when you go by the analytics, the defense was, was just the opposite, the polar opposite. So if you can trade him and get a starting pitcher, get, get something of value for him, I think you do it. All right, Gio Urshela. Keep him because I really don't know what your other options are at the moment. You don't really have a guy that can play third unless you want to move a Mayhew over there, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think that his glove really plays. I know that his range might not be uh, what everybody expects it to be. Uh, his, his analytics are a little bit under uh, what league averages, but his glove certainly plays, his arm certainly plays, and if this season is any indication, then his bat certainly plays. So we'll see how it works. But I keep him. I wanted to ask you that real quick. Do you think do you think it's an aberration or what he is going forward with the bat and going uh, for Gio Rochella? You know, if it were an aberration, guys, I think that you would have seen crack um, midway through the season, but that just never happened, right? The slowdown never came. So, if he figured something out with his swing, if he really worked on it, I mean, it's, I think it's here to stay. I don't really until you see otherwise. Kind of like this boy, right? Until you see otherwise. It's kind of so hard to say, yeah, we're not believing in this. Yeah. So I think you keep him. I think he's legitimate. All right. This next one, I'm going to ask you two ways. I'm going to first ask you as if it was being asked before Aaron Hicks. It came out that he was getting Tommy John surgery. Brett Gardner, keep him or dump him. I, I think you bump him. Dump them. I really do. Pre, pre I, yeah. Now, what about yeah, post you know, It depends on the price that you get them at. Um, he had a really good year this year. He had a full win season this year. Uh, he had plenty of home runs this year, but you know everybody across baseball was setting career highs, right? Home runs. So, I mean, he's not the only one, but I, I, I still think you dump them. I really do because at this point, if the Yankees aren't going to trade Clint Frazier, then you're going to have to play him. And I don't think John Carlos Stan is going to play 140, 150 games in left field. I just don't see that. Not with the way his legs broke down this year and the injuries that he had. So I still think you dump him because I think that part of what, why Cashman resigned him was to try and get him one last spring before he was gone. And the same thing with CC. Um, but I, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can keep him for another year, especially if they're going to be cheap and they're not going to spend money elsewhere. Uh, I think that you try and take whatever you're making from his contract and reallocate it somewhere else. Well, it's funny you mentioned him because the last guy we're going to bring up today is Clint Frazier. I think he's cheap because until Esteban Floreal proves that he can be a major leader and he hasn't done that at all, um, I think that you don't really have many outfield options in the minor leagues. You're not going to spend more money on an outfielder this offseason. It's just not going to happen. And I do think that his bat plays, and I think part of why he was victimized at the major league level was because they kept moving him around. Let's not forget he came up as a center fielder with the Indians. He was actually pretty good defensively as a center fielder. The Yankees moved him to left, and they were playing him right uh, this year, and it just didn't work out for him. So I think his bat plays, I really do. You saw that at the beginning of the year, and I think that he's a young, controllable outfielder. 
And unless you get a really good trade uh, offer from someone else for him, I think you hold out to him at least for one more year. All right, Joe, we can't thank you enough. Uh, nearly an hour here spending with us talking about a variety of different topics, the managerial vacancies, the World Series, of course, the Yankees. Uh, Joe, thank you as always. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN, and we'll definitely touch base probably before the holidays, you know, uh, come hot stove time. Hot stove, baby. Joe, you're the man. Oh, thanks for having me on. And hey, I'm still waiting for that invite to your uh, fancy studio. You know, uh, it actually it actually got it actually got delayed at least two years now because of the uh, <laughs> because of the negative Yankee tweets I've seen out there. So when we start shaping that up, we will get closer to sending out an invite. Oh, it must be to know if you guys wedding invite. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'll, I'll, wait, I'll wait for that. Don't worry. All right, pal. All right, Joe. Thank you. All right, thanks for having Have me. Go, you, guys. you got it. Thank you. All right, Joe that was Riv. Joe Riv. Thank you, Joe, again, uh, nearly an hour here. Joe's always great with that and, uh, you know, being able to go around the league with him. Uh, so what did he, he just said? Andujar, right? Was Andujar and Guardy were the only guys that he's going to dump. Yeah, I'm actually shocked he was so quick to dump uh, Guardy. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he'd have two different answers, to be honest. I thought pre-Hicks, you know, Tommy John announcement, he would have been a, a dump, but I thought after, you know, what else is really, I mean, we're talking about a guy who hit almost 30 home runs. We're not talking about Brett Gardner batted, batting 180 and hitting nine home runs this past year. You know, it's still Brett Gardner at that point, but you know. So you're saying Joe's not entitled to his opinion. No, he is absolutely not. Entitled. Right. Okay, well, there you go. All right, so that'll wrap up episode 149, week one of the Keep Em Dump Em's. We'll be back next week, episode 150, with the second round of the Keep Em Dump Em's. So. Can you believe we we're at episode 150? Mm, yes, That's I can insane. because we did episode 100 like in February. I'm really Crazy. surprised we only did 50 in this time span. Crazy. All right, so thank you for listening. Uh, Chris is going to run over and send Stack Guy Rice some chicken noodle soup so he (laughs) he feels better for next week. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Teddy Bear. We haven't told you how to speak yet. Chris, say goodbye. Peace.